Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on September 16th of 2012 under the headline, Oregon's Most Famous Elephant Led a Colorful and Tragic Life. Under the light of a single bulb in a big storage room at the University of Oregon's Museum of Natural and Cultural History in Eugene are the bones of a famous one-time Oregonian named Ned. Now, Ned had other names. On stage, he was billed as Tusco the Magnificent and Tusco the Terrible, or sometimes just plain Tusco. Toward the end of his short life, he was known to the newspapers as Tusco the Unwanted. But he always answered to Ned, and toward the end he started getting angry when people called him Tusco. Ned was, of course, an elephant. Specifically, he was the biggest elephant in captivity in the 1930s, when he came to Oregon to join the cast and crew of history's most surreal amusement park, Lotus Isle. Ned had started out his career in show business at the age of six, when he was just five feet tall. He'd been shipped to America from the lumber camps of Siam in 1898 and spent the following quarter century on the road with various circuses and traveling shows. Along the way, Ned ate and ate and grew and grew. Unfortunately, the bigger he got, the more nervous he made people. The beginning of the end for Ned in his show business career came in 1922. He'd been acquired by the Al G. Barnes Circus and was being promoted as Tusco the Terrible. On May 17, 1922, Ned and his circus were in Cedro Woolley, Washington when Tusco went on a rampage. Why he did this is unclear. One source suggests he was drunk at the time, and he probably was. Tusco's later reaction to being presented with a tub of moonshine to fight a cold suggested a long familiarity with strong drink. Another source says Tusco was responding to an unusually vigorous beating, which unfortunately would not be unusual for a circus elephant in the 1920s. In any case, Ned tossed his handler aside, breaking several of the man's ribs in the process, and lit out for the wide-open spaces. He overturned a number of automobiles, knocked a few buildings off their foundations, and caused a mass panic at a Cedro Woolley dance hall. By the time the circus crew caught up with him, he'd carved a 30-mile trail of destruction through the northern Washington countryside, demolishing a chicken coop and disrupting a lumber camp. His handlers found him stuck between two angled boxcars, so he was easily recaptured. Circus people then followed his trail of destruction through the countryside with a suitcase full of money, indemnifying anyone and everyone that they thought might sue them. The rampage seems to have changed Ned somehow, though. While before this incident he'd been known for a mellow disposition, now he started getting increasingly testy, and circus customers were starting to notice. Finally, Barnes pulled him off the circuit for a rest at the circus's winter headquarters in Southern California. What was supposed to be a short break turned into a two-year sentence after Ned lashed out at his manicurist, breaking both tusks against the bars of his prison-like home. 
While he was serving this time, another bull elephant was touring the country as Tusker the Magnificent. This imposter elephant, at a show in Texas, went on a deadly rampage, killing a spectator and was promptly shot and killed. But after that, many circus visitors assumed that Ned was a killer, which it must be noted he absolutely, positively never was. But that edgy reputation, coupled with his famous appetite, two tons of hay each week plus supplements of apples and carrots, made Ned a net liability for the circus. So it sold him off in 1931 for $2,800 to a dapper, stocky showman from Portland's Lotus Isle named Al Painter. And that is how Ned came to Oregon. Painter first offered Ned to the city zoo, hoping apparently to score some goodwill points for Lotus Isle. But, mindful of what happened in the city of Cedro Woolley, the city zoo declined. So Ned spent the summer as a prime attraction at Lotus Isle. And this was a bit of a hair-raising time for his handlers. Tusco was noticeably crotchety most of the time, and when early aviator Tex Rankin flew low over Lotus Isle in his biplane one day, Tusco spooked, breaking his chains and going on a short but panicky rampage that destroyed several of Lotus Isle's Moorish-style buildings. At the end of the 1931 season, Painter could see that Tusco was just not working out. He wasn't bringing enough business to justify his staggering food bill, let alone the damage from his rampage. Plus, Lotus Isle itself was facing a rocky future. The massive Peacock Ballroom, the dance hall in which Painter staged his lucrative dance-a-thon promotions, had burned to the ground, and it was growing increasingly clear that it would not be rebuilt. Could Lotus Isle survive without it? Painter didn't plan to stick around long enough to find out. So he asked fellow showbiz man T.H. Eslick to bring Tusco to Salem for the Oregon State Fair. And while Eslick and Ned were down there, Painter disappeared like a puff of smoke on the wind. Eslick, at the end of the State Fair, left Ned behind and slipped off home to Portland. And fair director Max Gaylor found himself stuck with the baby. Eslick claimed Ned was Painter's responsibility and Painter could not be found. It was about this time that the newspaper started referring to Ned ruefully as Tosco the Unwanted. A couple of months of expensive hay munching later, the state finally managed to auction Ned off for $200. His new owners chained him to a flatbed truck and hauled him north to Portland, a trip that took four hours in those pre-freeway days and surely came near to killing Ned from the cold. It was October. In Portland, he was lodged in a ramshackle tin building near the waterfront at East Main and Water Streets, where people could pay a dime to look at him. Here he spent a miserable, cold, hungry winter. At one point he caught a cold, and it got bad enough to put him off his feed, and everyone knew what a legendary trencherman Ned was. For him to stop eating, he had to be really sick. So his handler brought him a ten-gallon keg of moonshine, cut it with five gallons of water, and poured it into a trough for the visibly excited Ned. Three giant gulps later, Ned was happily and drunkenly frolicking with a hay bale and was soon falling fast asleep. The morning Oregonian covered both his ten-gallon spree and the ensuing hangover on its front page. In his downtown Portland shed, Ned went on another rampage, this one on Christmas Eve. This one didn't do much damage other than to the shed he was living in. Ned seemed mostly just to want to run away. Cornered and with dozens of rifle barrels pointed straight at him, he was soon recaptured. The following spring, the elephant left Portland as his new owners took him on the road. 
All the press coverage of Ned's troubles at the state fair and his Christmas Eve bust-out had raised his profile, and tens of thousands of Northwesterners were eager to see him. But he still lost money. He simply ate too much. His handlers decided he needed to retire to a nice city zoo, and they picked Seattle. Then they launched an elaborate con. They were going to execute Ned. They even advertised in the Seattle Post-Intelligencer for a big game hunter to be their trigger man. It worked. The city rallied. School children broke open piggy banks. The mayor made a speech. And a few weeks later, Tusco was moving into his new digs at the Woodland Park Zoo. He died about a year later at the youthful, for an elephant, youthful age of 42. The official cause of death was a blood clot in his heart, a deep vein thrombosis. But one of his old handlers later told the Oregonian that he had developed debilitating arthritis as a result of standing on concrete so much, and he'd had to be euthanized with, quote, the black bottle. That is poison. Even in death, poor Ned could get no respect. He was skinned immediately. One of his owners planned to stuff the hide and mount it outside a motel to attract business. The hide was ruined by vermin before he could get this done in one of history's few examples of rats making the world better instead of worse. The bones were cleaned by boiling in a huge pot, and the skeleton spent a summer on tour as a circus sideshow attraction. It ate a lot less, of course, but people were less willing to pay to see it. Finally, its owners gave up and put it away and eventually donated it to the University of Oregon. And maybe someday soon Oregonians will be able to come to Eugene to visit old Ned, and maybe to mutter a little apology to the giant animal's long-suffering bones. A quick editor's note. Oregon Quarterly, the University of Oregon's magazine, ran a detailed feature on Ned in its spring 2014 issue, which, by the way, is volume 93, number 3. The feature includes a good deal of additional information about Ned, as well as pictures of the big fellow's bones. You'll easily find it with a search for, quote, Tusco Oregon Quarterly. It's well worth reading. Key sources in this story included works by Dick Pinterich, pdxhistory.com, and the Portland Morning Oregonian, March to December 1931. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon History episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.